just want us to take a moment to pray for um, Alex Kapikin, Luba and Alex, uh, the f- mother and father of Larissa um, and Jack Kapikin and Tanya Kapikin, a few of the big family that comes to our church. And Alex is uh, not really very well at the moment. He actually is feeling that it might be his, I think he's 87 or 88, he's thinking it might be his time to go home to be with the Lord and uh, had the family over the other night to pray and, and so forth. And I just want us to take a moment to pray for him and the family especially. It's never an easy time. Uh, he's good. He's, he's at peace. So he knows where he's going. But um, we just pray for them as a family, if that would be good. Lord God, we just bring the Kapikan family before you today. It's never easy to say goodbye. It's never easy to know what to say or what to do. But we just pray that your peace would flood that house, that your peace would be with Alex and Luba, your peace would be with all the children that they have, and we just pray that you would be with them at this time. Bring strength to this situation. Lord God, help them restore any issues, if there are any issues that they need to restore and, and resolve. And I just pray your hand and your blessing upon this. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Um, today, I've got a, an announcement to make. It's um, not like the last one. It's a bit of a happy, sad announcement. Um, because from time to time in our church life, some people in our, in our church uh, feel like it's time for them to move on and to to do new things or God opens new doors and uh, there's a couple in our church who's a, who have been an amazing blessing to our church, a wonderful blessing and um, they have an opportunity before them that they feel God's really leading them down and um, as a church uh, we feel really excited for them, we're sad for them to be going but we're, we're really excited and it's Andrew and Norfolk McCaskill. So I'll give you a bit of story around it. Um, Norfa is obviously from the Philippines, if you didn't notice. And she actually, she actually pastored in the Philippines. And the, her home church in the Philippines has actually started a church here in Adelaide. And um, they're looking to expand. And uh, they've come to Andrew and Norfa to invite them to help them expand and plant a new church. And... Excitingly, Norfa feels like, or Andrew as well, but feels like she's ready to take on that challenge again. And uh, I, I pray and hope that her time here at the Port Church has helped her rebuild her confidence and, and get ready for what God has for her. Because we know they have an amazing call on their life. And, uh, and we're not going to hold them back from doing what God's called. You know, when Norfa preaches here, we get sense God and God's hand upon her life and and so we're we're sad but we're very excited for them as well because it's uh it's a, a wonderful opportunity and hopefully she'll still come back and preach for us every so often and uh might even have us go there and preach for them as well so um but yeah it's 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 um an important day and gig will continue till the end of the year um here at the church um I think there's a couple more sessions in November and December uh, and then um, they will move on and and do what they have to do. But why don't you guys come up, give them a hand as they come. (laughs) North, as as you all know, she's a bundle of energy and uh, she can't stop her, but... uh, but um, we want to pray with these guys and stand with them and believe with them and, uh, and pray that God would can obviously lead them where they need to go. It's going to be a tough journey. I'm not going to um, bring it, like not say what it is. Pioneering a church and planning a church, as we all know, is a tough journey. And, uh, but God is looking for people who have the courage and... and uh, guts to actually do it and so I believe God's hands going to be all over you guys so why don't we all stand up
just as Ben was waffling on, as he does, God spoke to me. You know, when a, when a, when a farmer goes out, and this is old, and prepares a field, it can be rough, and then he starts to prepare it, and he uses one of those old-fashioned ploughing instruments. You know, there's a, a bullock pulling and it's got a big sharp edge and he ploughs the rows to plant in. God wants to remind you that the soil is prepared for the plough and then God sends the rain and he sends what is required and he wants to, wants to remind you that your job is to plough. Your job is to take the implement and do what you know, the straight rows. But God has gone before you, prepared the soil and he brings the rain. He brings the increase. He's already, it's not up to you to make it happen. You just be obedient, the pair of you, and plough. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it's like, ah. But as you be obedient, God has already put in the soil what needs to happen and he will send the rain and he will produce the increase. I'm going to ask Steve. Steve's been on this journey in part of his life, so I'm going to ask him to lead in prayer. Thanks. I just had a little picture. I didn't even ask God whether he wanted me to have anything to share with you. But I don't know if you're in your past or in the Philippines. There's a, I saw this picture of a flower. I saw this picture. <laughs> you ready? Come on, hurry up, Blue. Okay. Um, I, I just saw when I looked over you, the two of you, I saw this picture of this, a white flower with a yellow centre. And it was like in the past, that flower, um, it, it's like significance of, of what you began in God. And it was a beautiful thing, but that flower died and withered. And... Um, and it's a sad thing because it was a beautiful thing, but I feel like God's going to give you a bunch of flowers that are beautiful white with a yellow center. And obviously it speaks of the fruitfulness, but the beauty of what you're going to be doing. I'll hold you both your hands. Yeah. Father, we thank you that um, in our life there comes times when we need to make decisions and, and the battle within us, Lord, is it your perfect will is the timing and these sorts of things. And obviously this precious couple, this leadership couple with their gifting have <clears throat> gone through that time of knowing not only your direction and will, but your timing, Lord. And so, Father, it's, it's a powerful thing to, to go with the blessing of a congregation and extension of the family. And Father, we thank you that Pastor Ben speak for us, speaks for us all when we say that your love and support and the unity of this congregation go with you. And Father, we ask that your covering and blessing from all the distractions that aren't of you, Lord God, and, and, and the challenges that aren't of you, but of the enemy, we bind them <clears throat> and we come against them in the name of Jesus and we speak life and fruitfulness and supernatural energy and strength to be their portion, Lord, that they would hear and see stronger and clearer than they've ever heard and seen before. And we thank you, Lord, that you have all the provision they need in Jesus' name. So we bless them in Jesus' name as a congregation. Amen. Andrew and Norfolk, I don't very often have words for people, but I feel very strongly that God's given me a word for you guys. You remember in the story of when Moses was called by God to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he came up with a handful of excuses. And one of those excuses was that he couldn't talk very well. He didn't know the words to say to Pharaoh. And God said to him that not to worry about that because God will give him the words to say. And I think God's saying that to you guys. Don't worry about what you might say because God will give you the words to say and that will bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just asked Norfe, do you want to say something, Andrew? I've just asked Norfei to share something. Uh, just, she was actually down to share an encouragement today, so I said it would be great for you to say something to encourage us all today. Thank you, Pastor Ben, and of course the entire Port Church family. Um, it was March 2016, the first time I set my foot in here with my bike. <laughs> 
and it was just like yesterday. Um, I just want to share to you John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you for you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, that whatever you ask in the Father, in my name, that's what Jesus said, will be given unto you. Every one of us who are sitting here, brothers and sisters, we are all called and chosen. We are not called just to sit down, but to go out. And not just to go out, but to bear fruit. And not just kind of extraordinary, not just an ordinary fruit, but a very extraordinary one, which is something to last. And just like in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, above all things, it is only love that lasts. Every one of us are called, whatever religion, whatever race, whatever educational attainment we have, we are called to love and to have that Jesus within us. Because Jesus himself is the greatest love of all. He is the fulfillment of the greatest love of our God, the Father. And may the Holy Spirit be always be in our hearts as we go and bear fruit that will never last. I will miss you all, but we'll see each other again sooner or later. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. We are going to miss him, it's, uh, but this, we're still a big family, and, uh, and I'll give you one piece of advice, it's probably along the lines of what Julie said, that I was given when we left our home church to pioneer the Port Church, and, and uh, a person I respected a lot, my pastor as I grew up, said to me, don't look back. You put your hand to that plow, don't look back. Just go forward to what God's got for you. So it's good. It's good. Well, today is, oh, I feel a bit loud, Gleb. God's speaking on Mount Sinai or something. It's good to see Dan and Tanya on the uh, ladies' row at the front. She's joined the, joined the seniors' row. It's good. Prime time's Thursday, Dan. We'll see you there. A... Sorry, Dan. He's got a nice new haircut too. It's very fancy. So. But today, um, I feel like we, um, we've been doing that whole series on pursuing God. Who enjoyed that? Got a lot out of it. Well, I really felt, because I go on holidays tomorrow for two weeks, so... Um, you won't get, get a hold of me on my phone or anything like that. My wife will steal that from me and, and hide it somewhere, put it in the freezer or something like that. So if I, while, while I am away, please contact the church office or Damien or one of the leadership team, Mao, Judy, um, Ju Linda, uh, who else? Matt. Uh, contact these guys and they'll definitely help you out. But um, I really felt over the last or since the beginning of the year, a lot of new faces have joined our church and become a part of our church. And it's been a long time since I've shared what our church exists for. Some churches like to call this Vision Sunday. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't like to give it a title other than my son's having a fit over there. Um, I'd like to share about what our church is all about, why we exist, and what the, I guess the uh, vision that God gave us when we planted this church. And I want to share it with us today. I want to refresh you. I haven't done this in a while. I've checked my sermons, and it's, I think 2018 was the last time I shared about our church's vision. I think it's a good reminder for us to remember what we're about and why we exist and what we exist to achieve um, because Julie said it so powerfully to Norfolk and Andrew you know it, we we hold the plow but God 
really is the one who does the work. And uh, that's something we really believe as a church. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get right into it. Well, God, I just ask you to come today and speak through what you have to share to this congregation. Speak to us through the vision that you established here over 11 years ago. And speak to our hearts and speak to us on, on our role in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So simply, if we can have my PowerPoint ready. Might just need to click on it for me, Seema. Thank you. So the Port Church vision, simply as it says there, is to live like Jesus lived. And we take that from 1 John 2.6, which says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So that's as simple as it is. What we are called to do, what we desire to do, is to be Jesus to our community, to our world, to, in our lives. To, the Bible talks about in Romans 8 that God predestined us to be what it says conformed into the image of Jesus. In other words, what that means is that once we invite God into our lives, then the process of transformation is that we would become more and more like Jesus in our lives. And we'll talk a bit more about that. And so along with that, our mission, which is out on the wall, out in the foyer, says that we are a church where loving God, loving each other and loving the community we live in counts for everything. Because this is exactly how Jesus lived his life. So if we're going to live like Jesus lived, then this is what it's all about. You see, in, in Jesus, we've been talking about pursuing God. Now, in Jesus, we see a, an amazing example of, of that. You, you see, with Jesus, he pursued God, God the Father, with everything he had. And from that place where he pursued God the Father with everything he had, he then loved the disciples that God the Father gave to him with everything he had, but then he also loved the community that God had planted him in with everything he had. And so if we're going to live like Jesus lived, then it has to involve loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. And this is what, as simple as I can say it, this is what the Port Church is all about. As a church, we we encourage you, the worship was amazing this morning and we love to worship God, which is a part of our DNA or whatever you want to call it. It's part of what we do. And, and when we worship God, it's all about pursuing God. See, when we come together in corporate worship, as we do, we'll do tonight as well, it's all about saying together in one voice, we're going to pursue after God. And in that space, God speaks to us and encourages us and ministers to us. In, in many different ways. But then as a church as well, we believe that as, as we pursue God, as he fills us and gives us, uh, makes us who we need to be, then out of our lives, his love flows to the world around us. And this is really important because it flows most significantly in our relationships. Because the reality is God is all about relationships. I remember in the early days of this church, I would often get up and say, this church is all about relationship. Relationship with God, but you can't have a relationship with God without it affecting the relationships around you. Your relationships around you should become better because you have a relationship with God. But then it doesn't just um, stay in this area here, in this space where we're you know, we're a family, we're, we're, we're all in this together and that type of thing. And we all love each other here, but it doesn't, can't just be confined here. It also has to flow out into the community we live in. I remember when we first planted the Port Church in 2009, there was a, um, a story in the paper about uh, the Parks Community Centre closing down. And it was all over the papers at that time. And the community around the Parks Community Centre cried out saying, no, you can't close down our community centre. This is, this is really important. It's really valuable. Around the same time, we had just moved into this area and the Church of Christ on Military Road in Semaphore closed down. 
and nobody said a thing. And the thing that God spoke to me at that moment was that as a church, we would want to build a church for God's kingdom that if for some reason we had to close down, the community would actually notice that we'd closed down. That we would add so much value to our community that they would cry out for us. And I, I hope and I, I believe that what we're doing as a church through pop-up and youth and kids club and gig and things like that, that the community would cry out if we for some reason had to close down. Another way we've talked about this concept of living like Jesus lived and loving um, uh, our God and our each other and our community is another catchphrase that we've brought up over the years is that we were a church where that is spirit-filled and community-driven. And I, I, I'll re-emphasize this, but I really believe that as we're filled with God's spirit, that it has to affect the world around us. You can't love God and not be a part of a community. God said it this way in the Garden of Eden when he created Adam. He said it quite simply, and this is where God and Adam together, you'd think, what else would Adam need? But God said it's not good for man to be alone. God created us for community. He formed us for family. And this is what it's all about. And I, I want to encourage you that if you have a relationship with God, it's not to be all by yourself. God wants to plant you in a family, a church. And as a community, then as a community together, how much greater effect can we have on the community around us? This is what God calls us to. Now, as a church, we do have what we call some faith practices. Because if we're going to live like Jesus lived, we need to know what that looks like. Okay, he loved God, he loved his disciples, and he loved his community. But how did he do that? What does it look like to live like Jesus lived? So we created five what we call faith practices that symbolize what Jesus looks like for us as a church. And so if you want to live like Jesus lived, these are the things we want to emulate. These are the things that we want to strive after. These are the things that we want to make the the fabric of our of our existence does that make sense number one there is servanthood the bible says that or jesus said it himself the son of man came to serve not to be served he, he encouraged his disciples don't be like the rulers of this age of this world who rule it over their people no serve them and jesus came as a servant it says in hebrews 2 and so one of the faith practices that we want to do as a church is to serve, is servanthood. Uh, as people often are amazed when they come here on a Wednesday night and they see us feed, you know, 100 people and, and people just working away in that little kitchen there with all their heart, never complaining, like just doing it and just serving with a smile on their face because that is part of the fabric of who we are. We want to be a church that serves. Whenever we do anything in our community, we want it to, to be highlighted to serve because our God, the one who we want to emulate and follow, Jesus, was a servant. It's as simple as that. Secondly, going along with that is humility. It says in Hebrews 2, Jesus humbled himself and became a man. He left heaven, came to earth, humbled himself and became one of us, became human. And so in our, in our practice and how we live life, we want to live lives that are humble. Now, humble is simple. I've preached it here a lot of times, but humility is simply understanding where you came from. The original language in the Latin is hummus, which means dirt. Understand that we are simply dirt without God's breath in us. So when God breathed into dirt, he created humankind. Yeah. 
And so we need to understand, I am simply a product of God. Now that seems a bit weird, but without God, what would I be? The very breath in my body is a gift from him. And so they say humble people are down-to-earth people. I hope for anyone that's new here to our church would, would say that about our church, that when we're not fancy, we don't try to like put on a front or anything. We, we're real and we're down-to-earth. We know where we've come from and we know without God, we wouldn't be here. So all of our humility is based on the fact that I need God. Every day I need God. I need God just to get out of bed some days, to be honest. And uh, I know there's plenty of people that can relate to that here. The third thing is generosity. What an amazing, generous act that Jesus did to leave heaven where <clears throat> he was God and he had everything to become human like us. What an amazing act of generosity. But then when he lived on on this earth, how, how generous was he with everything that he did, with his acts of healing, with his, with his teaching, with, in every way of life, he was generous, generous to the point where he even finally gave his own life for all of us, that he would lay down his life so that we might have life. And so generosity is a part of what we do. Uh, we had Marie and Frank over last night for dinner and they always, the first time they came to pop-up, they're like, where do we pay? Where do we give money for this? Like, we, sh- we should pay because, you know, we're not, we're community, we're part of the church. And it's like, no, freely we've received, freely we give. We don't charge for anything here at the Port Church because we want to be generous because when we're generous, we are showing people what God looks like. Too lo- for too long, people have got this picture of do- God as this mean, old, stingy dude up in heaven who wants to hit people over the head with a stick every time they do something wrong. And we want to change that narrative. We want people to understand that God is generous, extravagantly generous. You know, we've, as a church, we've experienced that lately. Out of nowhere, he puts $100,000 in our bank account. Because God is generous. And we could never outgive God, but in our actions, we want to show our community that there is a generous God who loves them with everything He has. The next one, which is really important, is Jesus did everything in integrity and character. Now, to explain this a little bit more simply, is He talks about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Now, this integrity and character is all about truth. So the, the simplest way I can put this is that what you see is what you get. We don't put on fronts. The great example of this is the, parable or the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. He saw the fig tree with all the leaves on it and thought, oh, there must be figs on that tree. He went to the fig tree, there were no figs. And so he cursed the tree and the next day they walked past, the tree was withered and dying. And what's the meaning of that story is basically don't look like something and then be something else. Don't make out you're something that you're not. Be real, be authentic, be true to who God has called you to be. And so as a church, that's what we really believe. People often say to me, one of their, I wouldn't call it a criticism, I'd call it like a a comment, they say, you know, you do pop up every week and you have all these people come into your church that aren't Christians and you don't see many of them become Christians. Why do you keep doing it? Shouldn't you just, you know, it's not working. It's not doing what you called it, it was meant to do. And I, I say to them, it would be wrong for us to just do pop up to see people converted to Christ. Because then we wouldn't be we would only be doing it because we have an agenda the only agenda that we have is to love people that's the agenda we have is to actually show people what jesus looks like now 
God's the only person who can save someone and we want to take every opportunity to do that and it's been an amazing thing to see numbers of people come into the church through pop-up but the reason we do it is to love our community and and we need to be show integrity in that because if we're only doing it to get bums on seats then we're doing it for the wrong reason God saves people God's the one who reveals himself to people. Our job is to have our hand to the plough and be there when it's time. The last one, and it's a simple one, is obedience. Obedience is one of our faith practices because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 2 that Jesus obeyed the Father all the way to the cross. And so in our lives, we need to obey God in, in everything we do. So we obey him by doing what he asks us to do. Uh, and obedience is not always easy. It doesn't always, um, is not the easy path to take, but the Bible calls it the narrow path. But we're called to be obedient. And that means being consistently obedient. Eugene Peterson says success is a long obedience in the same direction. And so as a church, we, God, and I'll share this story in just a moment, but God called us to reach out to our community and we're not going to stop doing that because it's not working or it's not bringing in enough people or it's not doing that. We're going to keep doing it because it's what God has asked us to do. And we will consistently be obedient to what God has asked us to do. Because it's true, the journey of our church has not been an easy one. You know, it's really nice now. We've got a building and, and we know we have a nice congregation here and a nice Sunday morning, nice sound system and all of that stuff. And, you know, in the early days, we used to pack most of the sound gear in the back of our Honda Accord and take it to the sailing club and do all of that stuff. Uh, and the journey along the way has had its ups and downs. But um, I remember God really established what it meant to be obedient to him through one of or through our very first first salvation in the church and, and our very first salvation was a man who actually never ended up attending our church he was a name, man by the name of Peter Hattie now Peter was the husband of one of our our uh, early leaders and uh, he was uh, not a Christian he was agnostic he probably believed there was something, but he didn't know what it was. Or, um, he'd even declare he was atheist sometimes. A lovely fella, but really not interested in church at all. And uh, you know, after a couple of years of our church going, of the church being established, I got a call from his wife saying, oh, Pete's been diagnosed with lung cancer. And, uh, and so I went around and caught up with him. We were good friends and caught up and saw how he was and he still at that point you know wasn't really interested in faith at all and the doctors had only given him months to live so uh, we we still kept supporting and loving the family and and you know kept on visiting him and and seeing him and then one day i got a call from pete's wife again and said you need to come over pete's been up all night and he he asked if you could come over and talk to him and so I went around there and I said, what's going on, Pete? What's, what's happening? And he, he said to me, I've been up all night and the one thing has been on my mind is eternity. And he goes, said to me, what do I need to do to know that I'll spend eternity with my wife, Fiona? And I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity. It's amazing how God works. We're praying and praying and, and the opportunity comes. And so I shared with him about the, that if he would invite Jesus into his life and, and put his life in Jesus' hands and accept him as his Lord and Saviour, you know, that would guarantee him eternity. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So I said that talk, gave him the whole talk and stuff and, and he's looking at me and I said, do you want to do that, Pete? And he goes, yeah, I do. I want to do that and there's an amazing moment because sometimes I would lead someone through the Lord's uh, the sinner's prayer at that point you know say after me 
But I really felt a prompting on my heart to say, Pete, well, why don't you pray? And Fiona and I, his wife was there with, we'll agree with you. And he goes, okay. Well, which I was surprised. He's a very quiet man, not a, he goes, okay. And this is how he prayed. He wasn't taught this, never been in church his whole life. He said, first words he said is, God, I'm sorry for not including you in my life. So in that moment, he repented. And then he said, God, I put my life in your hands. And I just pray that you would help me walk with you. And you know, the, the atmosphere in that room at that moment was mental. Uh, I don't think I've experienced anything like it. It's just a sense of God. And Fiona and I were bawling and crying. And uh, Pete looks up at us and he's like, okay. And I said, I said Pete, do you feel that? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He go, I said, what do you feel? And he goes, it just feels like a ton of bricks has just lifted off my shoulders. And from that moment, he, he was saved dramatically and transformed. Uh, I got him, he, they fostered a, a young boy. He had a kid's Bible. I got him to start reading that. A few weeks later, he rang me out of the blue crying. Again, this guy never cried. He's crying. I said, what's going on? He goes, well, I was reading the Bible like you told me. Go through Matthew. There's a bit about forgiving and that if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. So I, I've got a sister who I've been estranged with from ten, for 10 years. So I rang her up and I asked her for forgiveness and said sorry to her. And we've just restored our relationship. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what God does. He doesn't need people telling you what to do. You read his word and it speaks to you and you're transformed. And uh and so his life was changed. He, now, he was very sick by this time. He, he'd never stepped in foot inside our church. And then um, a few weeks later, this was the key moment for me that I got a call from his wife again. Can you come and see Pete in hospital? He was in hospital at this time in, in palliative care. So I went in and I, I said, went in to see him. I said, oh, what's up, Pete? What's going on? He goes, oh, I need to tell you what happened last night. And I said, all right let me know and uh, he said I, I, was, I had a dream I had a vision and I saw our, your church he said our church and you were under a, a big lemon scented gum tree massive lemon scented gum tree and there were people sitting all around the tree and you were up the front preaching away and I was there supporting you and helping you and, and I, I just saw the church and there was nothing stopping people from coming to church there was just no walls nothing it was just a church under this massive gum tree and it was in that moment that God spoke to me about our church really significantly that it was time for us to go out and it was at that moment that we planted or started pop-up kitchen if you remember people who remember we started by with having a trailer going to the skate park going to different parts of of the peninsula and just feeding people and catching up with people and that was where it began it's developed to what it is now but it began with that idea that vision that he had about us being a church without walls that nothing would hinder people coming here that nothing would stop them and amazingly now which still shocks me that we have people from all over the community come into this sanctuary every wednesday and share a meal with us and they're not, they don't feel like every time they come in, they, they talk about it, they review us on the, on the web and say it's one of the friendliest and, and nicest places to go to get a free meal. Homeless people and so forth because they, they sense the desire that we have to be that church without walls, that there's no judgment, that we invite people in, no agendas, but we're just here to love and show them what God looks like. In James 2 verses 14, to, oh, it's not to 26, I think it's just 14 or 15. But it says, what, is, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Simply, 
Our church exists to say our actions reflect our belief. Our actions. We're a church of action. We're a church that actually does what God calls us to do. A church of real faith that is seen in the way we live our lives. Trying to emulate Jesus, trying to live like Jesus, trying to fulfill those those faith practices of humility and servanthood and generosity. That's what we exist for. I really believe our actions are the fruit of our faith in God. How I would explain that is that often in church life we talk about our actions, but our actions are often uh, seen as trying to get God's attention. So we do things to get God's attention. You know, I pray or I give or I do this to get God's attention. But I truly believe our actions are not done to get God's attention, but they are a, a result of having a relationship with God. It's really interesting, Norface shared from John 15 this morning without knowing I was going to include that in my message today. But John 15 is where Jesus talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. So he says, if you abide in me, if you have a relationship with me, the natural result of that is fruit. And the fruit is a result of our relationship. Our actions are the fruit. Love, joy, peace, as it says in in. Um, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience. These are our actions. We live to love. We live to, to seek peace. We live to be generous. We live to do all these things. And as we abide in Jesus, as we have relationship with him, as we draw close to him, the fruit of that relationship are our actions, our behaviors, the things we do. Galatians 5 talks about that as walking in the spirit. That as we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what God's called us to as a church. Our actions reflect our belief. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We seek after him with all that we have. And then the fruit of that is living like Jesus lived, is producing the fruit. And remember, remember this, and this is important. When, you, when a, an, orange tree, an, orange tree, an orange tree produces fruit, who gets to enjoy the fruit? Does the tree get to enjoy the fruit? The fruit we, we produce, the actions we do to, to honour our relationship with God are not for us to enjoy. It's for those around us to enjoy. So when we produce the fruit that God's called us to produce, who benefits? The people around you. The community around us. So when we as a church practice servanthood and generosity and humility and, and integrity and character and obedience, who gets the benefit of that? The community around it. They, that's what it means to add value to our community when we're living for God, pursuing after him with everything we have and then allowing the fruit of our lives to flow out to everyone around us. That's what God has called us to as a church. This is the mandate of our church, to live like Jesus lived, to love God with everything we have, to love each other with everything we have and to love the community we live in with everything we have. And we simply do that by drawing near to him, abiding in him, and allowing that then to flow out to those around us. So as I said, we believe our, our church, not that there's a physical lemon-scented gum tree, although we do have one out there in the car park, as it happens to be, but our church is that lemon-scented gum tree that people can come and rest in, find shelter and protection in, find safety in, and hopefully, ultimately, and we pray, would find a relationship with God in. That's what we are as a church. And that's the, the vision that Pete had of us as a church. A church with no walls. 
a church that's spirit-filled and community-driven. That's what we exist for. As I said, out of that vision came the idea for Pop-Up Kitchen. And many of you wouldn't know this um, as yet because we haven't promoted it a lot and he's a humble fella so he doesn't mind. But earlier this year, I actually handed over the reins of Pop-Up Kitchen to Matt Gulzo. He's been doing a fantastic job running it with Juanita and taking care of it. So I've asked him to come and just share a little bit about Pop-Up and how we as a church can be involved. Because it's not just a program, it is the heart and essence of our church. It's where we can practice and put into practice those faith practices we've talked about. It's where we can produce fruit that others enjoy. So I'm going to ask Matt to come and just share and encourage you on how you can help out. Hey, I do have some notes. Pastor Ben said to me, oh, I'll preach for about 20 minutes and then you can jump up there and say some stuff. But uh, what's happened is Pastor Ben shared his passion and his heart and his vision and his obedience that's led this church to be where it is today. I just want to honour that. So as Pastor Ben's handed me the reins, I'm, I'm not walking uh, in my own strength. I'm walking in those that have gone before me um, with God's covering over us. And, and uh, the whole team is just amazing and, and a real blessing to our community. And it's just really a mind-blowing place to come um, and to serve and basically, we wanted to, I chatted to Pastor Ben a little while ago um, about this occasion to share with the church. Because I know that many of you here uh, are new to our congregation and, and many of you here uh, have not heard the stories that Pastor Ben shared today about the vision for this church. So what I wanted to do was just to share a bit of that, share a bit of the heart of pop-up. And Pastor Ben has done that so brilliantly today um, and invite you to be part of that journey. You know, our volunteer team have served diligently for many, many years. And they continue to serve diligently. Like Pastor Ben said, slaving away in the small kitchen to serve 120 people every week. Um, but we need backup. <laughs> we need some fresh, some fresh legs. You know, it, it does say in the scripture that um, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. But this is not a call for volunteers. Like Pastor Ben said, we don't run pop-up just to get people saved, to get people bums on seats. And I'm not sharing today to go, you must come and serve with us. Because that's not what our heart is. Our heart is a heart of generosity. It's a heart of just uh, openness and vulnerability. But we would say, if God's prompting you to serve in this area, then come along and chat to us and I'll hang around a bit after um, today and, and if anybody's interested um, we might do a follow-up meeting where we'll share a bit more about what we do but um, I love some of the church stuff I, I went on the church website today uh, last night and looked at all this stuff um, our church is committed to um, adding value to our world to the world we live in no matter gender race age or belief system in the example of Jesus. Pastor Ben shared it already. Those who say they live in God should live their life like Jesus did. Pop-up is a great place. And if you'll bear with me for a moment, I'd love to describe it to you. It's a special place, a unique community. It is a family. It's a place where people are loved. And it's a place that I'm so passionate about that it's bubbling up within me as I'm talking. It's unique in its diversity. It's a place that reflects the world we live in. It's young, it's old, it's rich, it's poor, it's broken, it's recovering, it's wise, it's accepting, it's forgiving, it's caring. It's a place to laugh, it's a place to cry, it's a place to share and a place to listen. It's a fun place. It's a place with food and a place that challenges. Challenges culture. It challenges society. It challenges the norm. It's home. It's church. 
the thing I share when I share in pop-up all the time is I say, this is home. Because for so many people, they come and they sit with the same people every week and they share a meal and they learn from each other and they challenge each other and they talk to each other. It's accepting, it's forgiving, it's caring. You know, we sat with a guy, one of the guys that writes reviews. He, he's, he was homeless at one point, he was a journalist and so he decided to write a, a, a blog that describes places to go and get free food. It describes places to get free showers. It's a resource for the community. And he comes and sits with us often. And we asked him one day, Pastor Ben and I sat on his table and we said, what is it that sets us apart from the rest? Why do you keep coming back to us week after week? And the thing he says was that the Port Church forgives. I went, wait a minute. The Port Church forgives. He said, you're a place that doesn't see the wrongs of people. You don't see when, when, that, play, when that guy blows up and, and shouts and yells. You see it as it is, a reaction to a stressor in his life. You don't see it as a thing that is causing him to affront us and, and, and to abuse us, but really we look at the heart of what he's going through. Whether he's homeless and sleeping in his car and constantly under pressure from society that looks at him differently and then he blows up in this place but then we don't that happened one night and and he came to me and he said Matt are you going to ban this guy and I said no he said but he yelled at Pastor Ben I said no I'm not going to ban him because if we're to love like Jesus did Jesus wouldn't ban a man for sharing the frustration of his heart He'd love him and embrace him and call him back to home. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another. And one more before I finish. Jesus reflecting in Matthew 5 about the salt and the light. And I'll read from Eugene Peterson's message version. Here's another way to put it, he says, says Jesus. You're here to be light, bringing out all the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill, as public as a church on the peninsula. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, now that I've put you there in a community, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Like Pastor Ben said, we do share a brief gospel message, but our aim is to just let us be light to the community, to just let our light seep into their darkness, to let our light seep into their brokenness. And so if you want to be part of that community, we'd love some help. We'd love some help. And it's not going to be an everyday commitment, every week commitment, but we'd just love to put you on a roster and give some of our regulars some relief. Let them sit on a table and share with community. Let them share with others to not always be stuck in the kitchen or serving. So I love this team to get big enough that we can all share in that. So if that's your heart, um, come and chat to me afterwards and uh, we'll talk about a future meeting where we can discuss everything. I'm going to hand you back to Pastor Ben. So I got Matt to share that because I shared the vision now, I wanted to give you a vehicle in how you could be a part of that vision. You know, if our vision is to share our fruit with those around us, then how can you do that? And our programs that we talk about, 
that we do as a church aren't the be all and end all. They are simply vehicles for us to fulfill what God is doing in our lives. So when we want to, there are a way that we can share the fruit that God is doing in our lives with those around us. That's what it exists for. It's not the be all and end all. It's just simply a vehicle that God's given us to interact. Another one of those vehicles, get him to come up and share quickly, very quickly, is Benito at, at uh, Fearless Youth on a Friday night. He, uh, he uh, works away hard there with this small team and he's going to come and share a little bit about this vehicle and maybe there's people here that you go, that's a place where I can share my fruit. Um, yeah, this Phyllis Youth is a is a really cool place. It's it's been such a privilege to to serve in it, especially um, in leadership for a couple of years. And I've been there since I finished school um, in 2015. So 2016 onwards, I've been a part of it. And um, I think for me, the 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 key is, and I, I guess it's our mission, but a safe and accepting community where young people discover their value. They're experiencing authentic relationship with God and others. And um, I think in this community and uh, in this church, that's such a, such a key thing. Um, in our, I, I mean, in this community, the Lefevre Peninsula, the Port Adelaide region, we're, we're faced with, and we see it every Friday, we see it in, in the community at Pop-Up and everywhere else, but there's so many broken homes and, and tough situations and, and families where... They're, just, they're doing their best and, and they're, they're, they're making the most of, of a real a, a bad hand, but they need support and they need help and they need, need love. And, um, and Fearless Youth is just, it's been a really cool place where we can actually um, be a positive influence on young people who need love, um, be, a, be a place where they're, where they're accepted, where they find value, be a place where it's different to what they get at school, it's different to what they get in their homes, it's different to what they get on the internet. And um, I think for me, it's, it's this last year has been about discovering that heart and discovering, um, I guess, the why behind what, what we do and, and what, what youth's about. And um, if we can allow young people to discover their value in Christ, if we can allow young people to, to find purpose to find meaning um, I go back to it a lot and it's a it's a verse that gets overused 100% but it's Jeremiah 29 11 um, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope in those days when you pray I will listen if you look for me wholeheartedly you will find me um, and I, it's talking about a situation in the Old Testament in Babylon, but it keeps going, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. And I just, I believe for young people in this community and young people in this peninsula that there's more than what has been offered to them. Um, there's, there's more than what's in front of them. There's more than what's like given to them by what the world offers them and, and I really believe that fearless youth is a, is a place where they can discover that, a place where they can uh, grab a hold of that and that's not through us, it's through God um, and if we can be a vessel where they can find God and find that love that changes everything, that love that transforms their life and everything about it, that will that will be, that'd be a phenomenal thing and we see it at youth and um, we we're dealing with a community that's probably 80 to 80 percent unchurched it's um young people who are just roaming the streets during the week and you see them riding their scooters with no parents around at 10 o'clock at night and you're like oh hey how you doing <laughs> and it's a, it's a, such a weird situation but um but they they need god and they need they need love and and if we can be a, a community that shows that and it and that happens on a friday night at youth we have um a a we work with the council to do a, a, a youth night on Thursday nights once a month that's been really positive at pop-up in, in small groups, in, in just one-on-one -on -one interactions between leaders and young people. Um, and also, like, just a shout-out to everyone who's helped at youth this year. It's been, it's been phenomenal. and It's, like, it's just amazing the, the efforts that everyone has put in. But it's not going to be easy. But as Dad said, when you're filled with God's Spirit, it has to affect 
the community around us. And I'll just finish. Um, it was towards the end of term two. We were praying in a youth meeting and um, we were listening to a song. Um, still, it's, it's called, and um, it's an old song by Hillsong. And when I was just hearing it, it kind of, I don't know if mum sang it to me as a lullaby as a kid or if I was just um, projecting that or it, it, was just, it was just coming from God. But, but the, the words are beautiful. It's like, when the oceans rise and thunder, you know the song. Um, but uh, I just, in that moment, I felt God tell me, like, I want to sing lull- lullabies to these, to these young people. I want to sing lullabies to these youth that don't have anyone that sings them lullabies. At the end of the day, when they're at home in bed, like, God, Dad, wants to tuck them in and tell them that they're safe, that it's okay, that they're loved, that they're cared for. And if we can be a vessel that does that, then I want to be in it for a while. And if you want to join and if you want to be a part of it, that would be awesome too. And we'd get you involved. But yes, that is um, Fearless Youth. And yeah, thanks for listening. So there are a couple of ways that you can, vehicles, now they may seem a bit scary for you and a bit daunting and you think, oh, that's too much to be interacting with the community that much and full on. So I'm going to get someone to come and share about another area which is less daunting but just as important. But our hospitality team is another space that you can get involved in and, uh, and start to share your fruit with others right here at church, whether it's with your brothers and sisters or new people that come. So I've got David Burford's going to come up and just share something quickly about the hospitality team. And maybe this is a place that you can share your fruit. Okay, um, lovely faces. And good to see um, Steve and Michelle Harrod here. There's uh, a couple that stands tall in our community. I, I always look up to Steve. As tall as I am, yeah. Um, just a few words on hospitality. Um, first of all, a big shout out and a thank you to everyone that's involved. Um, Kathy, Selena, Lou, Nonna, Louise up the back. Um, anyone else that I've missed, um, you'll do a fantastic job in getting just the auditorium prepared on a Sunday, um, coffee and tea, um, and everything that's involved with just the bits and pieces, just with the general running around and the running of the church. Um, Hospitality is not the most glamorous job in the church, but it's essential just to get things done. Um, and it's something that I've been involved with for a few years now, and I've enjoyed immensely. Um, I think the big lesson that I've learnt since I've been involved is that um, there are times where you need to be merry, and standing at the feet of Jesus and there's times where you need to be actively involved like Martha and be in the kitchen and too much of one or the other is not being in a healthy place spiritually Um, and for that reason um, we need more Marthas and we desperately need more people on board in hospitality to help out so we can spread the load Um, and you know, when we get to the end of the service and we're emptying the bins, it's not the most glamorous job, but I'm telling you it's probably just as important as the times where I'm standing behind the pulpit and I have the microphone in my hand. Um, so um, I've also got this um, survey that's going to be circulating around the church. Uh, according to Mal Victory, it looks like a script that you take to the chemist. Is that right, Mal? Um If you were to fill them out, um, that means um, updating your details um, for the church records. But also right down the very bottom, we have three little boxes which you can tick if you want to get yourself involved with youth or hospitality or pop-up kitchen. So be free to fill one of these out and tick one of the boxes. Hopefully everyone's going to tick one of the boxes because... Ideally, we want everyone in the church to be helping out at some capacity. So um, with that, if anyone's um, directly interested in the hospitality team, come and see me or either Linda, who does the rostering for the, for the team, and um, we'll get you on board. Thank you very much. So 
So I hope you get a bit of an idea of what the heart of our church is through today, what we're about. Now, as David stole my thunder, but, uh, which is good, uh, we, we want to do a survey. We haven't done one of these in a long time. We call it a survey. Basically, it's getting information of people, uh, updating information. So if you call yourself or f- call this your home and you want to be a part of what's happening, they, the ushers are going to hand out some survey forms. We want you to fill them out. This is really important as well with the AGM coming out. Uh, we like to send out um, the uh, an- annual report via email. So if you've changed your email or need to update your email, please fill that out as well for us. And then, at, as David said, at the bottom, there's those three areas that if you want to put your hand up and say, I'd love to help in, in one of those areas, I'd love to see it as a vehicle for me to, to live like Jesus lived, to do what God's called me to do, then we'd love you to be involved and tick that and someone will be in touch with you. So um, while the uh, ushers are handing that out, that'd be great. I'm just going to pray. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have called this church to add value to the world around it. And Lord, I just pray that even today that you would move on people's hearts in ways that they can live like Jesus lived. Ways that they can share the fruit that you're producing in their life with those around them. Lord God, whether it be in pop-up or youth or hospitality or any, something else even, Lord God, I just pray that most importantly that we would start to add action to our belief, that we would start to live out the faith that you would put in us and that we'd see great fruit from it. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.